This guy is a great big phony. If a body meets a body coming through the right. Okay. If a body kiss a body need a body cry. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, ho, hey, there, this is <laughs> Terrence Hartnett, and welcome to the OK Gatsby, colon, Catcher in the Y. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Everyone loves it every single time. We're just, It's great. Um, everyone loves it. Also, this part where we ask ourselves whether or not we love it. Both parts, crucial, and people love it. Love I it. love it. And I like to universalize my my interests, uh, so I think everyone loves. Yeah, it. me too. And I love you, Kev. How's Catcher in the Rye for you, buddy? So far, uh, chapter fifteen and sixteen today. It's 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 very interesting how adept they are at switching tones inside one young man's head. Like okay, it goes right from one of the most climactic, like physic. Like I mean, he's had two fights in <laughs> yeah in twelve hours, but. Anytime you get beat up by an elevator operator. Yeah, this know, one was more real. I mean, that one was more real. <laughs> yeah, that one was intense. And then he, like, and this one, he just he wakes up in the morning, he smokes his cigarette. <laughs> it's like, all right, time to move on with my life. Okay, yeah, right. So. I got in trouble with a bouncer, <laughs> and I thought about it every day for a oh. week. <laughs> <laughs> this guy goes, oh, that was weird when I got punched in the stomach and, and had $5 stolen Over from Over a $5 prostitute yeah yeah time to smoke a cigarette and go down to grand central Station. boy i'm hungry <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i had a bad dinner last night uh, i didn't eat anything i haven't eaten enough yeah i uh it is it is a remarkable uh complex picture of a, a, a young man's moods yeah <laughs> now how he's got rubber moods he hits the wall and he bounces somewhere he's else. right back yeah i mean yeah he, he he doesn't seem too affected by that huge uh thing that happened to him the night before that like the you know like a a, a a huge shift in his life like he became a man like he like had yeah. to fight another man over a woman yeah and five dollars and just your principles just say hey yeah. you said this you owe your word anything else that goes against <coughs> it is stealing <laughs> yeah you're stealing from me you're robbing me and he could have just let it go he has the money, clearly. He, this chapter, he throws it around like yes. crazy. Yes. <laughs> okay, right. We're going to see a lot of, yeah, yeah. Holden's dad is rich, and uh, he does kind of confront that in this chapter and the next. Yeah, so 15, 16. Uh, yeah, like I said, it, it starts with, I didn't sleep too long. But I, guess, uh, I think it was only 10 o'clock when I woke up. I felt pretty hungry as soon as I had a cigarette. The last time I'd eaten was those two hamburgers I had with Brosford and Ackley when we went to Ackerstown in the movies. A lifetime ago. Lifetime. When he was a boy. Yeah, that's like 13 chapters ago. Yeah, and it's not eaten anything. <laughs> it's just, it's been like 15 hours. So he went out drinking all night. <laughs> yeah, he's had a bunch of drinks with people. So he, so his Saturday, I think it was a Saturday, it started with him going to the town with his buddies, comes back, fights. After the, after the game, right? After, yeah. the, after the fencing match and the football game, right? Yeah. And then Stradletter comes by and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going out with Jane. Uh, and then he's like, oh, oh good. Ooh. I can't sit around here thinking about that. Hey, Ackley, let's go to town. Let's get some hamburgers. <laughs> anybody, even Ackley, I'll go out with anybody. Yes, Who cares? Just to distract himself. So um, later comes back, they fight, he gets on a train. Uh, 
yada fl- yada yada flirts with the mother then he comes he gets a hotel room he sees some perverts uh doing their thing he goes out drinking um and then he fights uh a pimp and now it's 10 a.m in the morning of the next day <laughs> of a really big weekend <laughs> yeah leaving las vegas it's been so. a really big weekend uh, so he calls up Sally. Oh, first, oh, first of all, it, this basically opens with I felt like gave I felt I thought I thought of giving old Jane a buzz to see if she was home yet and all, but I wasn't in the mood. Yep, there it is again. He's smoking a cigarette, thinking about getting beat up, and he's like, maybe I'll call old Jane. <laughs> yeah, most of this is just him thinking like I kind of feel like giving Jane a buzz. That's oh. this the whole thing to me. That's all on his mind. Even after that crazy night, he's still thinking about like, yeah. I, I want to talk to Jane. I want to talk to Jane. Well, the, the whole thing is because he loves Jane. We were just saying like how it's like this book should definitely end with him being like, and so I gave Jane Gallagher a, a buzz. buzz. <laughs> <laughs> that but be... no. Nope. Spoiler alert, no. No. He never calls her. Never calls Jane. Letters for Jane. The Maroon 5 album. The, is that, oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I think that's what it's called. Blowing right past. But what he does do is the the discount Jane. He he gives old Sally Hayes a buzz. Why, so why? Yeah, why is Sally Hayes more accessible? Because uh, like she likes him, and she's simpler, or they. Not- I think it's because he doesn't like her that he's not afraid of her yeah. losing, like losing her. Right. It's like oh, I don't care. Like I'll ask her out if she says no. I don't care. Yeah, that's terrible, huh? Yeah, it's really brutal. Like. Like li- like later they fight and it's like oh you you're such a pain in the ass yeah he's a pain <laughs> in her ass she's a pain in her ass uh, his ass let's see yeah he even says like this is a girl that he's gonna go ahead spend the day with I wasn't too crazy about her but I'd known her for years I used to think she was quite intelligent in my stupidity <laughs> the reason I did was because she knew quite a lot about the theater and plays and literature and all that stuff if somebody knows quite a lot about those things it takes you quite a while to find out whether they're really stupid or not I've been trying to run that scam for years. <laughs> <laughs> Took me years to find out in old Sally's case, and this is the best teenage boy line. Uh, just, just human line. I think yeah. that I found it out a lot sooner if we hadn't necked so damn much. My big trouble is I always sort of think whoever I'm necking is pretty intelligent person, <laughs> which is boy, a very boy, boy, boy. We've all been there. Like, oh, they like me. They must be a genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have good taste. Yeah, they're really smart for making out with me. Stood, that's like that's the Harvard of making out. They've made one smart decision making <laughs> out with me. I assume everything else is right along on the same line there. Yeah. Anyway, I gave her a buzz. This is just such a a fun. Uh, there's so all these like little moments of just like making fun of like upper class families. Yeah, the maid answers. Then First the, the maid answer, then the father. Then she got on. Sally, I said, uh, yes, who is this? She said, she was quite a little phony. I'd already told her father who was. <laughs> <laughs> so even she has to play it so coy. That who she, is it? Who could it possibly be calling me at this hour? Yeah, so yeah, Holden even calls out this Sally Hayser being a phony, even though, I mean, like, you know, even though, you know, she, they're necking. They're uh, necking. But also it's like, isn't it funny to ask out someone who you don't want to spend time with? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hypocrisy, uh, yes. Got him. Got him. He would quote tweet him and then show an older <laughs> tweet in which he contradicted himself <laughs> in these days. Uh, let's see here. As well, listen, I was wondering if you were busy today. It's Sunday, but there's always one or two matinees going on. 
And she says, I'd love to go. Grant. And then he has a rant about Grant. We are, doesn't he already? He's already mentioned that he hates the word Grant, I think. Yes. Yeah. I think it's come up before. He's not crazy about Grant. Why? Well, I guess he talks about it here. What is it's, this? It's so phony for a second. He just hates it. I, I think maybe it's just like a... It's, it's that's the the word. Well, you of the never day. mean it. I guess it's like you never mean it. Like if 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 you you only used grand when you meant grand, you'd use yeah. it like seven times in your life, right? It's like when your kid was born, or like a sunset, or like a drug experience. You're like, this is just grand. This, yes. But really, it's like it's like awesome, awesome. It's like, oh, really? Is that does that make you full of awe? Does like are you <sighs> are you awestruck right now? Yeah. At my brunch order, awesome, awesome. <laughs> I say awesome twenty five times a day. Yeah. I think it's also like it must have been the pop language of the time. Grand uh, superlatives like go in and out of fashion so <laughs> fast that probably this is the one he just. And hates. you know why they go out of fashion? Because they lose their edge. Yeah, grand. everything's grand. Uh, this is this is such a funny picture of of poor Sally. Uh, if there's one more to hate, it's grand. It's so funny for a second. I was tempted to tell her to forget about the matinee, but we chewed the fat for a while. That is, she chewed it. You couldn't get a word <laughs> in edgewise. First, she told me about some Harvard guy. It probably was a freshman, but she didn't say naturally. That was rushing hell out of her, calling her up night and day, night and day. That killed me. <laughs> She's already like bragging about this, like, ah, oh, this Harvard uh, intellectual is calling me. <laughs> uh, then she told me about some other guy, some West Point cadet that was cutting his throat over her, too. Big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I told her to meet me under the cl- uh, clock at the Biltmore at 2 o'clock and not to be late because the show probably started at 2.30. She was always late. Then I hung up. She gave me a pain in the ass, but she was very good looking. But she was very good looking. <laughs> she gave me a pain in the ass, but she was very good looking. So, yeah, she's telling him about all these other guys. Yeah, I think she reads that he doesn't care about her that much, or at least he's putting on that. Like It's like a weird thing of like, it's like, why is this apparently very good-looking girl yeah. going out with this crazy person? Yeah. <laughs> to the point where she's like, please come over on Christmas and yeah, trim, trim my tree. tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she's like, you know, right. She's like, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a hot commodity. People from Harvard want to go. Please, yeah, please treat me with respect and stop rolling your eyes at everything I say. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So maybe she has a better sense of... That he does find her a pain in the ass. Uh, then he leaves. Doesn't see Maurice around anymore, anywhere, which is uh, fine. But this is the, yeah, that's the only hint that he's kind of nervous about it, or that he that he he really moves on from it. these fights. He doesn't think about the fight with Stradlatter ever. He's like, oh, Stradlatter's a jerk, but he's never like, remember when he punched me in the head? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's probably not, he's feeling it, but he's not feeling it, right? I mean, I assume, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's a lot to attribute, but. And it's also, this is, he's written this six months in the past. So it's probably not like, yeah, I still have the bruise on my head and I was thinking about it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Checks his bags. Uh, let me see. Counts his money. He, uh, he's he been spending like crazy. Uh, Obviously, we see that. Yeah, he's been, he's just buying, he's buying drinks and taking cab rides and. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, just giving money to people and 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 getting robbed by pimps, spending money on sex, which he shouldn't have done that. Nope. Uh, let's see. Especially we don't even have sex. And here, this whole chapter is a lot. I mean, both chapters are are very class heavy. But it starts with the the portrait of a uh, of a of a rich child who doesn't have any sense of the uh, holding on to money. A goddamn spendthrift at heart. 
But I don't spend, I lose. Half the time, I sort of even forget to pick up my change at restaurants and nightclubs and all. It drives my God. parents crazy. Yeah. You can't blame them. My father's quite wealthy, though. I don't know how much he makes. He's never discussed that stuff with me, but I imagine quite a lot. He's a corporation lawyer. Corporation lawyer. <laughs> Those boys really haul it in. Another reason I know he's quite well off, he's always investing money in shows on Broadway. They always flop, though, and it drives my mother crazy when he does it. She hasn't felt too healthy since my brother Allie died. She's very nervous. That's another reason why I hate it like hell for her to know I got the axe again. So a lot happens in that paragraph. Yeah. Another very brief mention of the father. Corporate lawyer, always investing in Broadway plays, which is kind of a weird little... I, might, I think it's just a weird little quirk, but of like... You know, we were talking about this. Like Maybe it's just like he's trying so desperately to enter like the intellectual art patron side that of New York. That would do it. Right. It's like it's like if you have money that doesn't put you in the high class. That's like I mean this is Gatsby stuff. Like just just having money doesn't make you high class. Being involved in Broadway, a thing that only high class people can do because it's not it, it's just for art's sake and you don't actually make any money. Yeah. Um, which is I've heard that which is like the tickets cost 150 bucks. How could they not make any money for per person? Yeah. What are you paying these people? Anyway. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I actually have you seen a Broadway play yet? Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're like nice. <laughs> yeah, they're nice. Okay, great. yeah. <laughs> All right, they're nice. <laughs> they're nice. Yeah, yeah, they're not a great point. They dance. They dance great. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So yeah, dad. It's very brief, but even talking about the dad comes back to the mother. But we don't hear about a lot about mom either. I mean, like this is one of the little snippets into her into her character is like that. I mean, like we we know she's nerve. She's nervous. I mean, like we hear about her. Uh, staying up and smoking cigarettes yeah. and not sleeping. Uh, she's ner- like we we only get a couple we, little we, snippets like this though. We see her buying the wrong type of skates. Like that's really we're yeah. Just imagining her buying the wrong type. Trying of skates. Trying to yeah get holding the gift and he gets him a bad gift. But I think what's uh, they always flop though, and it drives my mother crazy when when he does it. She hasn't felt too hel- healthy since my brother Allie died. She's very nervous. That's another reason why I hated like hell for her to know I got the axe again. So a lot of this is that. His mother's not healthy, and he yeah. knows this. And he knows this. He's, she's going through the same grief he is over the brother. Uh, but that also means that he can't go to her with his problems. He can't connect with his mom. Yeah. Because she's always on the verge of collapse. And he's like, I can't be the thing I that makes I want to shatter my... her. Yes. Yeah, exactly. She's nervous. Right. So, yeah. So this this plays into, yeah, you have a great, great point about this with, with the nuns that we, we should get into. Like, he can't, he has to protect his mother. He can't use her as support. Yeah. Creates a complicated relationship with home. Um, then he, he puts his bags in the strong box, and then he goes to breakfast. Uh, he, he's a light eater. There's a, yeah, a the reference to he generally just eats a Swiss cheese sandwich and malted milk. It isn't much, but you get quite a lot of vitamins in the malted milk. H.V. Caulfield, Holden Vitamin Caulfield. <laughs> vitamins are his middle name. What? This is one of those things. It's like I think he's just having fun. I mean, like I think yeah. I feel like it's like you ever get the feeling it's like I think maybe this paragraph happened right before he was like I should take a break. I'm getting kind of goofy with this thing. You know, like, <laughs> do you ever think like I mean it's like yeah I mean like he had to write I mean like the the novel was written with you know in different moods you know what I mean it's not yeah. entirely cohesive and it's like sometimes it's like this is kind of just frivolous or yeah. like this is like kind of like just goofy for goofy's sake. Holden Vitamin Caulfield, the guy who doesn't he doesn't he doesn't actually get vitamins. He does, I mean like. Yeah. And I I, I think I think it's also like he tries to eat the minimum, but he tries to make get the bang for his buck out of it. <laughs> yeah, because he has the vitamins. Uh, but that's so central to his character that he's christened himself Holden Vitamin, vitamin Caulfield. Caulfield. <laughs> also, Holden V. Caulfield, 
it's not a, a thing we already know about. Yeah, we don't we don't know if V is actually his middle initial. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, it's just like a weird little random. <laughs> He's being random right now. <laughs> We're so random. Oh, wait, is he is he holding vitamins? Is it like holding holding vitamins? No. <laughs> no or it's like vitamins from middle name. That'd be funny. They never make that pun ever. Holding like what are you holding on to? Whoa. Holding on to your past. Okay. I mean, is holding was holding the name? That is holding the name. That's a good question. I think it is. It's an I, I, he mentions it. It's an Irish name. But maybe no. Caulfield's an Irish name. Is what he says. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's a whole. I'm pun. not gonna Google it. Come on, <laughs> it's holding a name. You Google it. <laughs> yeah, let's see here. Uh, then these two nuns with suitcases and all. Once again, they're suitcases. Yeah, they're always mentioned. I guess they were moving to another convent or something, and were waiting for a train. Came in as <laughs> moving to another convent. <laughs> or I guess I guess they do that. I guess they were. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like instead of apartments, they have convents. Yeah. Came in and sat down next to me at the counter. They didn't seem to know what the hell to do with their suitcases, so I gave them a hand. They were these very inexpensive-looking suitcases. Bingo. Here we go. Class. The ones that aren't genuine leather or anything. It isn't important, I know, but I hate it when somebody has cheap suitcases. So, yeah, he hates it. Okay, so this, this, I mean, like, he goes into a whole thing about suitcases, and he also, he goes back and forth about these nuns and kind of, or, like, he, he really worries about these nuns and and how they live and he also worries about how people of the lower class live in general he's always mentioning that Mm. the doorman the doorman if he must be a dumb guy yeah the elevator guy must be a dumb guy The guy who sold the prostitute the dress he was even like he looked looked at the dress and he goes who sold her this dress some poor salesman it's like what the yeah he he's definitely coming from the perspective of a uh of a rich kid but he does have complex feelings about class throughout this whole thing. He's got rich man's guilt. Rich man's guilt, for sure. Uh, let's see here. I know uh, It isn't important to know, but I hate it when somebody has cheap suitcases. It sounds terrible to say it, but I can even get to hate somebody just looking at them if they have cheap suitcases with them. Which is like, that's that's very strong. Yeah, especially for how he... but Especially for like the way he actually feels. The way, the way he rationalizes the suitcase thing. Like He doesn't seem to care about... He doesn't, doesn't, doesn't care matter. about suitcases, but... One guy did, and it has ruined class differences for because something happened once. That's such a perfect Caulfield sentence. Just three words: something happened once. <laughs> <laughs> for a while, when I was at Elkton Hills, I roomed with this boy Dick Slagle that had these very inexpensive suitcases. He used to keep them under the bed instead of on the rack so that nobody see them standing next to mine. It depressed holy hell out of me. I kept wanting to throw mine out or something, or even trade with him. Mine came from Mark Cross, and they were genuine cowhide and all that crap. And I guess they cost quite a pretty penny. And then that, I guess they cost quite a bit. <laughs> like, I guess. Yeah, he doesn't even know. But it was a funny thing. Here's what happened. What I did, I finally put my suitcases under my bed instead of on the rack so that old Slagle wouldn't get a goddamn inferiority complex about it. But here's what he did. The day after I put mine under my bed, he took them out and put them back on the rack. The reason he did it, it took me a while to find out, was because he wanted people to think my bags were his. He really did. He was a very funny guy that way. So, right. So, okay. So now I'm, I'm sort of realizing that, like, the idea of him being mad at the suitcases isn't like, oh, I hate poor people. It's I'm reminded of this Slagle character who so badly wanted to seem rich that he switched my bags and his, or he put my bags out to make them appear to be his bags. So he sees uh, poor people 
as being like, oh, these people are going to try to appear rich to me. Yeah. They're just in the inherent in our money differences. They're not going to be themselves themselves with me. They're going to try and project something that they're not in me. Uh, and that makes him hate them. Like he doesn't have any empathy of like, oh, I get it. Like, but he's like, he goes like, I don't even. Well, he what, has what empathy. Even? I mean, like he definitely, it's more complicated than that. Right. He em- empathizes with these poor people for sure. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, so you won't get a goddamn inferiority complex about it. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he hates the inferiority feeling. Yeah, like he hates that they feel that. Like he's like, he's like, yeah. you could have the bag. Like you want, you know, and like. Yeah, he's like, I'll I'll keep it on the bed so we don't have to look at it and like know about it. They're just suitcases. Um, and he kept he called everything uh, bourgeois. So if you're gonna yeah. do a, a thing about class to bring in the bourgeois, is a good, that was his goddamn fa- his favorite goddamn word. He read it somewhere. Or heard it somewhere. Everything I had was bourgeois as hell. <laughs> bourgeois. As Dick Slagle would fit in, fit in now. Yeah, <laughs> Just calling things bourgeois as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even my fountain pen was bourgeois. <laughs> and he, but you, I mean, he was sure he wanted to borrow it. All he the time borrowed it was, off me all the yeah. time, but it was bourgeois, it was bourgeois anyway. We only roomed together about two months. Then we both asked to be moved. And the funny thing was, I sort of missed him after we moved because he had a hell of a good sense of humor, and we had a lot of fun sometimes. Uh, which is so, yeah. Go ahead. That's that's uh, the tragedy of class to hold it. Is yeah. That this is someone he had a genuine connection with. He doesn't say he has fun with a lot of people. Yes. Here's someone he had fun with, but their class differences made it so that they couldn't be friends anymore. And they both, but the, and they both wanted to be apart. It wasn't like one of them broke it off. Yeah. They, they both requested. They both re- they can't be friends. Yes. The differences are too much. So it compounds his loneliness that the people, someone he got along with, he he couldn't live with anymore. Yeah, he has to go and live with Stradletter because he's got the same goddamn suitcases. He puts yeah. that. Yeah, that's how he puts it. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I room with a stupid bastard like Stradletter. Stupid bastard. A stupid bastard. Um, the thing is, it's really hard to be roommates with people if your suitcases are much better than theirs. If yours are really good ones and theirs aren't. You think if they're intelligent and all the other person and have a good sense of humor that they don't give a damn whose suitcases are better, but they do. They really do. They do. Uh, yeah, and that's that's sort of the tragedy of class to, to Holden is that he's got to live with Stradladder because he would the he there's no class differences, so he has to stay within his class. <laughs> yeah, they at least have that right. Okay, so anyway, so that that's all one big digression. He <laughs> looked at some nuns' suitcases. The two nuns were sitting next to me, and we're sort of struck up a conversation. Uh, uh, the Salvation Army basket. So he asked them if they're taking up a donation, basically, right? Yeah. He um, asked them if he are collecting money for charity. She said no. She said she couldn't, uh, couldn't get it in her suitcase when she was packing it. She was just carrying it. She had a pretty nice smile when she looked at you. She had a big nose, and she had on these glasses with sort of iron rims that aren't too attractive. But she had a hell of a kind face. So I just want to point out, like, the, at, at points, like... I mean, at various points, he 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 brings a sexual context into the into the discussion or description of these nuns, and uh, he's a, just a big hornball, I guess. Yeah, uh, but there's I think there's also kind of there's going to be a, a real mother vibe with these nuns too. So we can why not why not go Oedipal with it? We yeah. I mean we are I think we should I mean yes. we. We really ought to. Because yeah. there's the mother on the train, and then the first couple chapters where he's like, hey, you want to get a drink? You're kind of... <laughs> right. The, uh, yeah. And that... Yeah. So, right. So, let's keep an eye on that. Uh, and we're also keeping an eye on the class differences, as well as, like, the religious uh, 
moral guilt. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I can make a small con- contribution. You can keep the money for when you do take up a collection. Uh, let's see She's here. She's very nice. They're all very nice. Uh, all the two of them are eating for breakfast with toast and coffee. That depressed me. I hate it if I'm eating bacon and eggs or something and somebody else is only eating toast and coffee. There it is again. Yeah, that's a, that's a suitcase you put in your mouth. That's all that is. <laughs> uh, they let me give them 10 bucks as a contribution. They kept asking me if I was sure I could afford it and all. I told them I had quite a bit of money with me, but they didn't seem to believe me. Class stuff, bingo, bingo. Uh, so they are school teachers. They just come from Chicago. Uh, they taught English, so they start getting into... Uh, oh, no, so one of them teaches English, and he, he wonders... This is a sexualizing thing. He wonders... If she's able to read these sexy books. Yeah. Examples include uh, Eustacia Vi in The Return of the Native. Do you know this book? I do not. Dang. Uh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, and let's see here. Yeah, just a line. Books not, uh, books not necessarily with a lot of sexy stuff in them, but books with lovers and all in them. Yeah. So he just like looks at this w- woman, and this also reveals like, how he thinks about sex, is that... Uh, that these nuns have taken a vow of chastity, so they don't aren't they deny the existence of sex? Yeah, yeah. They're not even they don't allow themselves to uh, think about the existence of sex. Yes, yeah. that they can't just be like, oh, I'm comfortable with the idea of sex. I just choose not to <laughs> because of my vows. He, he can't think of it. Like he thinks like a nun would read <laughs> something sexy in a book and go, oh dear God. <laughs> <laughs> she I mean, closes I her eyes. <laughs> Yeah, she closes her eyes and flips the pages, and, and then like hopes that when she looks looks at it again, that like the sex part's over. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, then they talk about Romeo and Juliet. Um, okay, yeah, we have a sticking point here with the tip with the Tybalt thing. Okay, so yeah. uh, she, 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 he brings up that they're doing Romeo and Juliet, and, she, and and he says he doesn't like it, and then she goes, which I love this, and I this is something I try to do with students if I may toot my own horn is like. Well, can I ask you? I'm so interested. Why don't you like it? What's going on with it? Like, what do you think about it? Uh, because, like, their opinion is valid in the context of, like, well, I'm an educator. I'm trying to get people to get into these things. Yeah. So what is it about that that you don't like? And he says, uh, what? That, like, Yeah, to tell you the truth, it was sort of embarrassing in a way to be talking about Romeo and Juliet with her. I mean, that play gets pretty sexy in some parts. <laughs> Already he's like, I can't talk about Romeo and Juliet. It's It's got sex in it. Does she not even know? <laughs> Um, when he says, well, I'm not too crazy about Romeo and Juliet. I mean, I like them, but I don't know. They get pretty annoying sometimes. I mean, I felt much sorrier when old Mercutio got killed than when Romeo and Juliet did. The thing is, I never liked Romeo too much after Mercutio gets stabbed by that other man, Juliet's cousin. What's his name? Tybalt. That's right, Tybalt, I said. I always forgot that guy's name. Uh, this is a small thing, is that Tybalt is, is highlighted and... It's like, oh, is, is Holden Tybalt? Because Tybalt in that play kills or tries to kill Romeo um, and fails and ends up killing Mercutio just because Romeo was getting involved with uh, Juliet. Juliet. And so is it the, the thing is like, oh, is Stradladder Romeo and is Jane Gallagher Juliet? And he's like, I'm going to kill Stradladder. For- yeah. It's it's a it's a quick thing. That's something. But also it's like okay wait so the thing that he doesn't like about the big thing that he doesn't like about Romeo and Juliet is like the fact that Mercutio got killed. Yeah. He's like, I like this guy. I, this guy is hanging out and he's cool. Yes. He's funny. And these two whiny teenagers get him killed. <laughs> well, he says like um, the thing is it drives me crazy if somebody else gets killed, especially somebody very smart and entertaining and all, and it's somebody else's fault. 
Romeo and Juliet. At least that, that. At least it was their own. At least Romeo and Juliet. At least it was their own fault. So when they died, it was their own fault. But when Mercutio died, it was someone else's fault. Right? Is this maybe it's an alley thing? It's got to be a little. It's bit an alley thing. It's a catcher. I think it's a catcher on the riot thing. It's like he's trying to save those kids from going off the cliff. Like the you know eventually he gets there where he says he wants to. You know he's just, it's preserving innocence, right? Um, yeah, I think Mercutio is like, innocent. I think when he's like, if somebody is very smart and entertaining and all that, I think that describes <laughs> Allie uh, yeah, and, and us. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about us. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, it drives me crazy if somebody gets killed. I that and then it, he says, especially somebody very smart and entertaining. <laughs> but he just says, when anybody gets killed, it yeah. drives him crazy, and it's somebody else's fault. So maybe like one, yeah, it's like Mercutio had tried to help these kids. And he lost his life for it. Uh, but it's also like, it's like he sees Allie's death as somebody's fault. But because it's nobody, it doesn't make sense to him that it's nobody's fault. Yes, somebody should be to blame. Yeah. Because, right, he's the Mercur- he's the Mercutio. Like, yeah, he's, he's, smart, yeah. entertaining, and right. everyone else was in their, in their own little dramas, and this kid died. <laughs> um, and then here... Is a another a faux pas because he did his little rant and we we are so used to his rants at this point we assume that everyone listening to him goes all right we'll wait for this to be over but then she goes what school do you go to she asked me she probably wanted to get off the subject of Romeo and Juliet yeah. <laughs> so on top of the moral guilt I think uh, Holden is like um, commit committing some social faux pas yes I he's desperate to get these nuns approval. Yes, yes, because why? Because he wants to be more. He wants to be moral, right? He's yes, I think he's interested in Catholicism. That's throughout the book, as far as yeah. how intense it is, or at least how intense it seems from an outside. Yeah, he wants to. He, uh, he, he asks uh, athletes, like, "Can I join a um, monastery? A monastery? Can I just join a monastery? Do I have to, do I have to be a monk at all?" It's like as if there's just guys there. Like, I don't know. This is like a good place to live. This is like yeah. a sweet deal. And he's like, I'd probably get the monastery with a bunch of phony bastards. Yeah, <laughs> the wrong monastery. Uh, but I think he's fascinated with the the devoted life of Catholics, um, especially the the not. I guess they are lay people. I think um, technically. What nuns? Yes, I think they are technically lay people, but they're like below lay people. It's a very weird. I my religion. Class. I think if they're lay people, that's I'm surprised at. Well, then, like lay people means very little to me then, because like that means what? Just not priests. Yeah, it's, it's priests and lay people. Yeah, that is fucked up. Oops. Whoops. We don't Whoop. say that word in this. <laughs> I'll wash Terrence's mouth out with soap. Later. Sorry, Mom. Uh, yes. So he's trying to get approval. So he, one, he gives them $10, and they're already like, no, like, stop. Yeah. So that was it. his first gesture was to buy. It's only, you know, it's like, I'll buy their approval. It's like, let, let me give you. Yeah. It's generosity. But he's like, I need these these nuns to like me. <laughs> and then he tries to talk about Romeo and Juliet. He's like, oh, we'll talk about books. Like. And then he has his theory about books, and they go, "Oh, this kid's weird." <laughs> yeah, they don't. Yeah, they kind of brush him off, and then, uh, and then finally he tries to pay for their meal. Like he grabs the check and everything. And that's more personally giving money to them. I know it's like not it's not that different, but there's there's sort of a fine line there. Like it's like buying them lunch is like, yeah, paying them. Yeah, he's like, please like me, <laughs> please. I need. Um, you've been more than generous. You're a very sweet boy. She certainly was nice. She reminded me a little bit of old Ernest Morrow's mother, the one I met on the train. Bingo. So right, right at that moment where he goes, you've been more than generous. You're a very sweet boy. 
Like that's all he wants to hear. <laughs> right. <laughs> pat pat. Where it's like here's t- here's two women he sees as very strong. Anyone who's dedicated to religious life, they must have some sort of strength. Uh, in contrast to his own mother, who's very nervous and about to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's desperate to get these women because he's like, oh, it's a strong female figure. Uh, but any sort of actual attention and like generosity and care from women gets sexualized to him. Because we talked about like uh, he kept viewing her appearances and thinking about what they think about sex. Like he can't like even talking to nuns. He's like, I what with the sexy stuff in Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Yeah, how do they deal with it? And then he compares him to old Ernest Morrow's mother, who he was attracted to on the train and was very nice to him. And he got like he's like, oh, I want to flirt with you now. <laughs> Yeah, the motherly thing. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a little bit of attention. If there's like yeah, if there's a woman who is enough together that she can care about you without being upset, like then he's like, oh baby, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> here we go. Something about this lady really gets me going. Yes, uh, she certainly was nice. He just wants a, someone, an older woman, to be nice. To nice, him. and then it, it it goes right to his head. <laughs> yeah, because I think probably his experience with the mother is like uh, someone who cares very much. But is either freaking out about his faults or, or like crushed about some uh the alley. Yeah, he needs to be redeemed by a mother, and so like nuns are exactly what he wants. Yes. Yeah. So then he goes into this big Catholic thing. Um, Catholic story is trying to figure out if you're Catholic, and they didn't ask him if he was Catholic, right? Yes, they didn't ask him if he was the Catholic. The whole time he was afraid they were, they were going to ask him if he's Catholic, and he'd have to be separate from them. By that, yes, he's afraid of. He's like that. That was going to be ruined. The moment would be ruined. He mentions his friend from uh, Pensy, who is Catholic, and uh, just comes around eventually after a nice talk about tennis. He comes around saying, "Hey, do you know where the Catholic Church is in the neighborhood?" And uh, he knows that he's not asking because he doesn't know what the church is. He's asking because he wants to know if Holden knows what the church is. I e r u Catholic. So, uh, and he hates that. He goes, "But I get it." Caulfield's. Irish name, Irish Catholic, and if I were Catholic, I would do the same thing. But uh, yeah, it's. I think it's the same thing as he sees it all as the same thing as the, like the suitcases of like here's another arbitrary distinction that'll divide our connection. Yeah, why separate? We, me and these nuns, we I had a nice time with them, and they said they liked me. Uh, why if they brought in this weird separator, like it would it would bring an unnecessary division. And he sees everything as like, oh, I make these nice connections, and then these societally in place divisions come down, and they weaken the relationship. Yeah, unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, and so he he zeroes in on Catholics here, but like I I guess he, I I get it. The Catholics like to know. Uh, yeah. But it's like it's like oh, here's another distinction that they could have thrown it. Like anytime differences come up, he goes, oh, our connection's worse now. Or that at least that's how he views uh, interactions. And it's funny how it's like that is the the it's so that is related so closely to the to class distinctions. It's like it's almost like it's they they he uses them in tandem. Like uh like the nuns are both class differentiated and religiously differentiated, and he uses both of them the kind of the same way. It's like we're separated by these two things, and that's such a shame. Yeah, and I think. Uh, definitely at the time too. Catholics were definitely more working class, and it was there's wasps and then there's Catholics. Right, wasps. Yeah, I remember learning what that was and be like, oh, that doesn't really make sense anymore. It's like, no, nah, it doesn't. No, yeah, it's white uh, Anglo-Saxon Protestants. 
So I think it's also like, oh, they're Catholic and they want to know you're Catholic. Is like they want to know if you're part of their class. Are you in with the in crowd? Yeah. Are you, with do you the have the have the mediocre suitcases in a very fancy church? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they want. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not saying I blame Catholics. I don't. I'd be the same way probably if I was a Catholic. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I'd be the same way, probably. Uh, just like those suitcases I was telling you about. Oh, literally, just it's just like those. Suitcases. I know we always do this where it's like you know we have this theory and it's like oh then and Sal just says like uh, it's the same as this. It's just like it's it is this. Uh, but yeah. there you have it. It's like the suitcases. Uh, and then he does something. He does his final social faux pas. Uh, when they got up to go to the two nuns, I did something very stupid, and embarrassing. I was smoking a cigarette, and when I stood up to say goodbye to them by mistake, I blew some smoke in their face. I didn't mean to, but I did it. I apologize like a madman, and they were very polite and nice about it, but it was very embarrassing anyway. So, I, I mean, I've I've, tri- I've done so many mental gymnastics to try and find <laughs> deeper meaning in this, but I think we've we've settled upon, like, it was just the final nail, and it's a comic scene of a, of a teenage boy trying to get nuns to like him. Yeah. He keeps screwing up. I mean, he's a screw-up. He's a, Yeah. It's like, this is him genuinely trying to make a connection, and he makes it weird about their bill. He gives them money... Um, such a high amount that they feel weird. Romeo and Juliet. He talks about Romeo and Juliet and uh, and makes them feel awkward because he's ranting about people getting killed. <laughs> and he only talks to one of them. The other one, I think, probably doesn't like him. Yes. It seems like I w- she's I would reading the whole so. time. Yeah. The only thing she says is, we have to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he blows smoke in their face to and cap it off. And then he blows smoke in their face. It's, it's, if I see it from like, a, like an 80s comedy of just a boy trying to get these older women yeah. to like him, it's yeah, it's a very funny it's scene. It's heightened and heightened and like He's like kind of attracted to them, doesn't understand why, uh, looking for a mother figure, but also he's a he's an awkward dork. He's <laughs> This is a very like Michael Sarah moment. Of, like, oh, for sure, yeah. yes. He apologizes like, apologizes like a madman. He's very embarrassed anyway. Yeah. Um, and then he feels sorry. So I think the whole thing is like he wants to – He Holden's supposed to feel guilty. He he feels sorry. So he feels sorry he'll give him 10 bucks, which is a ton of money. It's like fucking yeah. 40 bucks now. I'd say probably, yeah. that's It's a lot. Um, and then I made that date to go. So he had to leave, and he's like, goddamn money. It always ends up making you feel blue as hell. <laughs> which is like – and there's the thesis statement of this chapter. Yes, Absolutely. And that's the last sentence of the chapter. He he is he wants a classless, uh, culturally distinctionless society. <laughs> Guess what, buddy? You ain't getting it. Chapter sixteen. <laughs> Not in my house. Not in my America. We will have class and and social distinction <laughs> in my house. We have Catholics and not Catholics and poor people and not poor people. Yes. Uh, let's see here. Couldn't stop thinking about those two nuns. So here we go. We're going to get some more theorizing about the nuns. Good. I kept thinking about that beat-up old straw basket they went around collecting money with when they weren't teaching school. I kept trying to picture my mother or somebody or my aunt or Sally Hayes' crazy mother standing outside some department store and collecting dough for poor people in beat-up old straw basket. So here he is thinking about what if a bunch of moms in in the place of these Moms. It's just moms. It's all moms in a row. Moms again. Yeah. And how they couldn't really hack it. Yeah, they couldn't take it. It was hard to picture. Not so much my mother, but those other two. That's one of the few like genuine compliments he gives mothers. Like yeah. I could see her being a nun. <laughs> <laughs> she could do it. But right, he mentions like you know if, if they didn't look at her, if they didn't look like a yeah. Sally Hayes mother, if they didn't even if they like just gave money but didn't look at her. Yeah, my aunt's pretty charitable, but she want she would want to be well dressed and have lipstick on. Uh, so if she had to wear black clothes and no lipstick while she was doing it, she wouldn't do it. And then old Sally Hayes' mother, Jesus Christ. 
That's a quote. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The only Jesus Christ. The only way she would, could go around with a basket collecting dough would it be if everybody kissed her ass for her when they made a contribution. If they just dropped their dough in her basket, then walked away without saying anything to her, ignoring her and all, she'd quit in about an hour. She'd get bored, she'd hand in her basket, and then go someplace swanky for lunch. That's what I liked about those nuns. You could tell for one thing that they never went anywhere swanky for lunch. But here's an interesting switch, though. Right away, say, I like this about the nuns. And then next sentence, it made me so damn sad when I thought about it. They're never going anywhere swanky for lunch or anything. <laughs> I knew it wasn't too important, but it made me sad anyway. Yeah. Like, they, well, he wants to give him the, yeah. What is, yes. So it's like the all the complications of his class relationships is that he lists all the women in his class, literally his mother, his aunt, his uh, girlfriend's mother, and he sees them as like, Shallow and unable to be truly charitable, the way these nuns are, and these not these poor nuns from the the lower class. But so he doesn't like the people in his class, and what he likes about the people of the lower class is they never got anything nice. But because he likes them, he wants them to have nice things. Yeah, they just des- so yeah. The people who don't have it, they deserve it. The people that don't have it, they deserve it, but because yeah. they don't have it, has made them more genuine in his yeah. mind. He, but yeah, and he, yes, what he wants to do is, is they have this perfect innocence uh, uh, from wealth, and he wants to ruin it. Yeah, I mean, like, but you know, but yeah, they yeah. they haven't been spoiled by wealth. I mean, he's idolizing them. It's, it's sort of an immature fantasy that these like all these poor people are like perfect and yeah. <laughs> don't have any shortcomings. Uh, but he's like, oh, I wish I wish these nuns got to go to a fancy lunch, but I like that they never been to a fancy lunch. So he, he can't have them spoiled by wealth, but he wished they had the comforts of wealth. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, you, uh, you don't want you don't want wild girls. You want good girls gone wild. <laughs> 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 you want poor women who are having a fancy lunch. That's something cool. Fancy women having a fancy lunch. Who cares? Yeah, uh, I because I I think it's like he's aware that his life is better. Like, just purely wealth-wise, like, it's better to be wealthy. But he hates every wealthy person. There's so few people besides Jen G- Jane Gallagher yeah. that he is like, oh, I really like them. Yeah. Uh, except for DB, uh, who's made his money. But even then he has contempt for, him for how it's, yeah, he's a prostitute. Bingo, yeah. There's no, there's no pure, yeah, it's all about, yeah, a lot of he purity. You can't, can't think of a single person who's rich that came as pure and is genuinely charitable. It's purity, it's playing piano in the closet. It's all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, but he wishes that, and he knows that wealth has spoiled all these people and made them insufferable, and he likes the poor people better, but he wants them to not be poor. Yeah. <laughs> he also knows that being poor is bad. <laughs> yeah, but everyone can't be rich. But yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a complicated, yeah, it's kind of played out in an interesting way. It's complicated. Uh, so he goes. He wants to go do something nice for Phoebe, speaking of nice things. He wants to go buy her a little record called Little Shirley Beans. Yeah, very a very cute record, a novelty record for uh, children, but sung by Estelle Fletcher. She sings a very Dixieland and whorehouse, and it doesn't sound at all mushy. If a white she's girl, not white. Yeah. <laughs> That's how she does it. If a white girl was singing it, she'd make it sound cute as hell. But old Estelle Fletcher knew what the hell she was doing, and it was one of the best records I ever heard. I.e., not 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 phony. Yes. Yeah. It's one of the few race things that come in. Yeah, you're right. And he, is, he sounds like a pitchfork writer here. <laughs> uh huh. That's true. Uh, it's like, yeah, just the way they approach these, like, so real. You could just imagine it being sung by Ariana Grande. So <laughs> yeah, authentic. Yeah, yeah, authentic. 
so he he knows see. where Phoebe's going to be hanging out. He wants to go get her to the record and go down that way. So he walks down Broadway and tries to find a record shop that's open. Um, and then as he's walking by the park, you want to talk about this kid? Yeah, the 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 titular line. So it wasn't. Uh, let's see here, but there was one nice thing. This family that you could tell just came out of some church were walking right in front of me. A father, a mother, and a little kid about six years old. They look sort of poor. There's there's class again. The father had one of those pearl gray hats that poor guys wear a lot when they <laughs> want to look sharp. <laughs> he's, he's very catty sometimes. Yeah. He and his wife were just walking along, talking, not paying any attention to their kid. The kid was swell. He was walking in the street instead of on the sidewalk but right next to the curb. He was making out like he was walking a very straight line, the way kids do, and the whole time he kept singing and humming. I got up closer so I could hear what he was singing. He was singing that song, If a Body Catch a Body, Coming Through the Rain. Catch a Body. He had a pretty little voice, too. He was just singing for the hell of it, you could tell. Coming through the rain. The car zoomed by, brakes screeched all over the place, his parents paid no attention to him, and he kept on walking next to the curb and singing, If a Body Catch a Body, Coming Through the Rain. It made me feel better. It made me feel better. It made me feel not so depressed anymore. Innocence? What do you what, what do you what do you make of this? Uh, a few things. He mentions that the parents aren't paying attention twice. Uh huh. Yes. Uh, which is big. Um, because I feel like he feels like he's not paying attention to by his parents. Oh, what the kid who's in New York and no one knows. <laughs> <laughs> the kid who literally is hiding from his parents and they don't know that he's been kicked out of school and. <laughs> He got beat up by a pimp because he can't go home because <laughs> if, if his mom hears one more problem from him, she's going to have a heart attack. He tried, he tried to pay a prostitute to just talk to him, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's having wanting cab drivers to get a drink with him. That guy? Yeah. Yeah. And he's not – the kid is not walking on the sidewalk, which is like literally he's not walking on the he's beaten in path. in the street. He's in danger. Yeah. Yes. He's not – he's very close to this, the sidewalk. On the cliffside. Yes. Uh, cars are going by screeching. But this kid is—he's not in a perfectly safe place. He's—he's he's literally le- like leaving his parents, who are not paying attention. Yeah. Um, but he's singing his little song and and having a great time. Uh, and so it's like, oh, this is a, an innocent person who's walking into danger, but it's so innocent that he believes that he'll like it'll be fine. <laughs> or I—I I, that didn't sound as good as I wanted. So in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's something—it's innocence, yeah. Something about innocence. And I think it's in, like they look sort of poor. It's a poor family. Like they came out of church. Yeah. Well, I think the pure the purity of the poor is like something that's kind of we we covered last year for sure. It's like they they're they're better than us somehow because of the uh because of their simplicity of their lifestyle. Yeah. And like it, it's the, there's a there's a purity and innocence to that. For sure. Uh but regardless it's the t- the title of the <laughs> Of the, of I mean, book. yeah, yeah. Like he loves kids. He loves innocence. He yearns for his past. It's Allie. Allie's gone. His childhood's gone. You know, everything dies, including your own childhood. He's he, growing up. He's walking off the sidewalk away from his parents. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, like, but he doesn't feel as safe as his kid feels. Yeah. I mean, it's a compl- it's a complex thing that's going on, which is why it's like it's symbolized. It's simple. Sim- sim- symbolic and not. Yeah. Spelled out. So he's on the. There's everyone's going to the movies on Broadway, and he hates all these. Dumb guys going to the movies. Movies again. Uh, but the worst part was that you could tell they all wanted to go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's which, their number one option, yeah. Which is so funny because I, I, 
Because, like, what does he want? A whole line of people in the movies who are just like, what are we doing? Rolling the their movie? eyes. <laughs> like, just a whole group of people rolling their eyes. I guess I could bash my own head in or go to a movie. I guess I, <laughs> same basic thing. I guess I'll just go to the movie because I could eat popcorn during it. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand somebody going to the movies because there's nothing else to do. But when somebody really wants to go and even yeah. walks fast so as to get there quicker, <laughs> then it depresses hell out of me. <laughs> He's such a jerk sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone participating in, in this inauthentic experience to him is exhausting. Uh, let's see here. It, he left. He, the first record store I went to had a copy of Little Shirley Beans. They charged me five bucks for it because it was so hard to get, but I didn't care. Boy, it made me so happy all of a sudden. I can hardly wait to get to the park to see if old Phoebe was around so that I could give it to her. So he has a moment where he does something nice for his sister and it makes him really happy. It'd be it'd be interesting to do like see how many times he says he's happy in in this yeah, book. Yeah, so yeah. Um, so he yeah. figures he feels like calling Jane for a minute. Uh, then he goes to the phone booth, calls her up. Uh, her mother answers his phone, so he hangs up. So he that's he's that's pretty close to calling her. He that's call, he yeah, I think that's up. about as close as he gets to the yeah. whole book. Is that he hears <laughs> he has to interact with the mother, <laughs> uh, but he wasn't in the mood. Uh, to uh, to ask if Jane was home yet, you really have to be in the mood for that kind of stuff. Just the the sli- he got so close, and then yeah. the slightest hurdle, yeah. <laughs> and then he gets basically scared. Uh, uh, then we have a description of theater, which is basically just like a live movie. These actors are <laughs> these actors, <laughs> they're a bunch of phonies. The yeah. Lunts, because he he bought tickets to a matinee with the Lunts in it, right? Yeah, uh, I believe they are actually famous actors. Um, from Broadway. Well, good for them. <laughs> How special. They're phony, though. So phony. Uh, yeah. He hates actors. They never act like people. They just think they do. Like, he just riffs on actors. <laughs> and even if they're good, you can always tell he knows he's good, and that spoils it. I love that. Like, <laughs> even if they're good, they're phony because they're acting like they don't know they're good. But they do know. <laughs> Yeah, he has such a, a a keen eye for arrogance and such a distaste for it. Yeah, it's a typical team where it's like it's like I I got a million reasons why I don't like things and I can't figure out a single thing that I do like. Even when things are good, just the acknowledgement that they're good, good. ruins it for me. That sucks. Yeah, Lawrence Olivier gets a gets a big takedown here for uh, yeah being Hamlet. Yeah, uh, and DB, How, all people take some there. Yeah, and what's interesting is DB liked it. Like, D.B., who's actually involved in the arts, is like, yeah, this was great. Yeah. Uh, but Holden, who is like this this pure critic, is like, nah, this, this sucks. Yeah, it's <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Phoebe's favorite part was when Hamlet uh, uh, patted his dog on the head. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that's not even going to be, that wouldn't be in the in the play. If I opened up, like, Collect the Works of Shakespeare, <laughs> that wouldn't be like Hamlet pats dog on head. Maybe he yeah. does talk to the dog briefly. Yeah. No, the best part in the whole picture is when old Ophelia's brother, the one that gets in the duel with the Hamlet that ran, was going away, and his father was giving him a lot of advice. While the father kept giving him a lot of advice, old Ophelia was sort of horsing around with her brother, taking his dagger out of the holster and teasing him and all while he was trying to look interested in the bowl his father was shooting. That was nice. I got a big bang out of that. So it's like, oh, like actual sisterly, like sibling moments. He loves, yeah, yeah. sibling moments. Uh, got tickets to the lunch. Then uh, the park was gross. Uh, except dog crap and globs of spit and cigar butts from old men. So they're in Central Park, and they're just like, oh, look at all this dog crap. We tried to go to Central Park to take a picture. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was too dark. <laughs> it's coming soon. Don't worry. The picture's going to be great. 
I took a picture of the duck. I, I went to the Central Park to look at the ducks. The ducks were there. It's February. The ducks were there. <laughs> They're there in the park. This whole book is a lie. They're there. They didn't, they didn't go anywhere, Holden. They didn't go anywhere, guess man. Where they, guess where they went? Nowhere. <laughs> They're there. They stay right there. They're there. You're fine. Uh. Their mother takes care of them. Yeah. <laughs> My phone died. I got very scared. I felt very alone. So my phone died when I got the picture. Anyway. Yeah, let's see here. And then she goes up to a little girl. Uh, let's see here. I love a little girl. Yeah, she's really funny. Um, I thought maybe she might know Phoebe. Let's see here. Do you know Phoebe Caulfield by any chance? Who, she said. All she had on was jeans and about 20 sweaters. <laughs> you could tell her ma- her mother made them for her because they were lumpy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that little diss. <laughs> They're lumpy as, <laughs> lumpy hell. as hell sweaters. Uh, Phoebe Caulfield. She lives on Seventy First Street. She's in the fourth grade over at. You know Phoebe? Yeah, I know. I'm her brother. You know where she is? I didn't even think about that. They say where they live. Seventy First Street. That's like, is that? That's like. Uh, well, they don't say what direction, but that's like right next to Central Park. Yeah, that's it's on the level of the park. Yeah. She's in uh, Miss Kalen's class, isn't she? I don't know. Yes, I think she is. Uh, blah blah blah. She probably knew. Oh, yeah, she's probably in the museum then. We went last Saturday. Which museum, I asked her. She shrugged her shoulders, sort of. I don't know, she said. The museum. <laughs> I know. They, yeah, <laughs> like the, the middle syllable is italicized. The museum. <laughs> the museum. That one. I know, but the one where the pictures are or the one where the Indians are? The one where the Indians. Yeah, like that's like, oh, the <laughs> Indian one. Thanks a lot, I said. I got up and started to go, but then I suddenly remembered it was Sunday. This, this is, is Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> it's like two kids whining at each other. I know uh, the museum. I, I love her response. She, she looked up at me. Oh, then she isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I have no patience. <laughs> like, look, I don't know. I don't. I'm not Phoebe's watcher. <laughs> uh, but then there's a very kind moment, which is like back to back. He buys a record, and then she was having a hell of a time tightening her skate. <clears throat> She didn't have any gloves on or anything. Her hands were all red and cold. I gave her a hand with it. Boy, I hadn't had a skate key in my hand for years. It didn't feel funny, though. You could put a skate key in my hand 50 years from now in pitch dark, and I'd still know what it is. She thanked me and all when I had to tighten for her. She was a very nice, polite little kid. God, I love it when a kid's nice and polite when you tighten their skate for them or something. Most kids are. They really are. I asked her if she'd care to have a hot chocolate or something with me. But she said no, thank you. He's always asking people to get I a drink. Know. <laughs> Anybody. Anytime he has the mildest pleasant interaction, he's like, please, get a drink. With a me. bird could poop on him and he'd be like, hey, wh- what are you doing later? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going after this? You going to hang out? What, what, what's next, guys? Get uh, some seat. <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> yeah. And then she said she had to meet their her meet her friend. Kids always have to meet their friend. That kills me. <laughs> Kids always have to meet their friend. Probably because you're a grown like a seventeen year old. It's like, hey, let's go hang out. <laughs> yeah, good guy. It's like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> I'm busy. But so anyway, like, well, so the, the skate key is like, I mean, it's childhood, it's innocence. It feels familiar to him, but also he hasn't done it in a long time. But it's also like, here's something he is good at. Yeah, okay. tightening a skate. Yeah, he yeah. is like he has so much experience with skating. He likes skating. And like, oh, I like. I guess I don't know if it's hard or not. I guess I, I, I assumed it was easy, but it's probably. It, well, she was having. It's like probably tying, like tying your shoes, or is it like? I, I don't know. I've never go, used the skate key, but he he makes a point of saying like how good he'd be at it. Yeah, he's good at it. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good at it. So like, I think he, 
He's like, oh, I am good at a, a small thing, but like he takes a lot of pride in it. Uh, and then it's uh, a long meditation on the Museum of Natural History. Yes. We should go. Is it? We still- really should, yeah. yeah. Uh, I knew that was the museum the kid with the skate what the skate key meant. I knew that the whole museum routine like a book. Phoebe went to the same school I went to when I was a kid, and we used to go there all the time. So now he's reflecting on his museum experience. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we had this teacher, Mrs. Miss Agletinger. Agle That's such a complicated name. Agletinger. That took <laughs> us there damn near every Saturday. Sometimes we looked at the animals, and sometimes we looked at the stuff that Indians had made in ancient times, pottery and straw baskets and all stuff like that. I get very happy when I think about it. Even now, I remember after we looked at all the Indian stuff, usually we went to see some movie in the big auditorium. Columbus. They were always showing Columbus discovering America, having one hell of a time getting old Ferdinand and Isabella to lend him the dough to buy <laughs> ships with. Lend him the dough. <laughs> yeah. I'm having a hell of a time getting this dough. And then the sailors mutiny none him at all. Nobody gave too much of a damn about old Columbus, but he always had a lot of candy and gum and stuff with you, and the inside of the auditorium had, a, had such a nice smell. So that... Something I didn't think about is um, American history, like, is always, like, flowing quietly in the background in a lot of this. Like, he's standing next to the Revolutionary War canon in the okay. opening scene. I think at some point, uh, the year 1776 is mentioned just out of a riff. Okay. But here's Columbus. Columbus. But no one gives a damn about Columbus. <laughs> so maybe that's some, some, probably nothing, but, like... I, I do think it's funny that like, oh, we just like that we get to eat. <laughs> we'll we'll stare at Columbus movie again if we get to eat yeah, a popcorn. Yeah, we'll just sit there, yeah. Uh, and so the, here's someone like, he's always very poetic when he's tenderly remembering his childhood. It always smelled like it was raining outside, even if it wasn't. And you were in the only nice, dry, cozy place in the world. That's that's beautiful. That feeling, that feeling does translate. I, could, I get that. I love that damn museum. He he always he, the Salinger does a great job of long sentence, short sentence. Oh, yep. And yeah. I remember you had to go through the Indian room to get to the auditorium. It was a long, long room and you're only supposed to whisper. The teacher would go first, then the class. You'd be two rows of kids and you'd have a partner. Most of the time my partner was this girl named Gertrude Levine. She always wanted to hold your hand and her hand was always sticky or sweaty or something. <laughs> <laughs> The floor was all stone, and if you had some marbles in your hand and you dropped them, they bounced like madmen all over the floor and made a hell of a racket, and the teacher would hold up the class and go back and see what the hell was going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's so specific. Yeah. He has such a vision of his of his childhood. Uh, she never got sore, though, Miss Agletinger. <laughs> then you'd pass by this long, long Indian war canoe about as long as three goddamn Cadillacs in a row with about 20 Indi- Indians in it, some of them paddling, some of them just standing around looking tough. They all had war paint all over their faces. There was one very spooky guy in the back of the canoe with ma- uh, with a mask on. He was the witch doctor. He gave me the creeps, but I liked him anyway. Another thing, if you touched one of the paddles or anything while you were passing, one of the guards would say to you, don't touch anything, children. But he always said it in a nice voice, not like a goddamn cop or anything. <laughs> yeah, like not like a mean authority figure, like not like a parent, but like a like a caring caregiver like somebody maybe who would like stop you from going off of a cliff if you were near it if you're like in a big field of tall wheat or or maybe rye. Rye. <laughs> who knows yeah all this he really paints a garden in eden with this museum yeah yeah it's perfect of like before it was ruined like the just that that auditorium smell line yeah it's like yeah the, all this detail is uh is unnecessary i mean like 
but you, he puts you right there. I mean, he describes the Eskimo, the birds, the uh, some of them are painted on the wall, yada yada yada. The um, squaw whose bosom bosom you can see, and then everyone lined up to look at it. Oh right, so you're right. That it's tied up with the, it's tied up with like the the sexuality thing. It's like he Salinger isn't even he never plays one game at a time either. Like he's playing the sexuality game while he's playing the innocence childhood museum game. He played the religion game and the society game at the same time. I mean, like the the class game. You know, like mm-hmm. he just he he's weaving it constantly. Yeah. Here's uh, the big thing though, right? Like the best thing though is that in the museum was that everything always stayed right where it was. Nobody had moved. You could go there a hundred thousand times and the Eskimo would still be just finished catching those two fish. The birds would still be on their way south. The deers would be still drinking out of the water, water hole with their pretty antlers and their pretty skinny legs. And that squaw with a naked bosom would still be weaving that same blanket. Nobody would be different. The only thing that would be different would be you. Not that you'd be so much older or anything. It wouldn't be that exactly. You'd just be different. That's all. You'd have an overcoat this time, or the kid that was your partner in line last time had got scarlet fever, and you'd have a new partner, or you'd have a substitute taking the class instead of Mrs. Angletinger, <laughs> or you'd heard your mother and father having a terrible fight in the bathroom, or you just passed by one of those puddles in the street with gasoline rainbows in them. I mean, you'd be different in some way. I can't explain what I mean, and, I, you, and even if I could, I'm not sure I'd feel like it. What... Are we to make, I mean, like, this is like a beautiful sort of central metaphor of the novel. What is it? Uh, It's him measuring his change against a constant. Yes, he's definitely changing. That stinks. And And it's this museum that shows him he's changing. Yeah, it literally never updates any of his exhibits. (laughs) (laughs) But every time he goes, he's a little bit different than the last time. And so I, I think he's having, it's like, uh, it's just a literal like representation of the passage of time of like the constants in his life remind him of how much chaos everything else is. Yeah, the constants. Literally like him seeing a gasoline rainbow, which is a fun phrase. Uh, yeah. Makes him feel changed. Uh, like little things like his partner is sick or anything. Like all the events of life happen. But they all stop in this museum where everything's the same. Yeah, but what is like? But like, what is the museum? You know what I mean? Like, is the museum something? childhood in general? Because this is where every kid goes on a field trip. That is childhood, right? So you're always observing childhood, and you're observing it from being older. The way you're observing the museum as you get older. But also, you're, you're getting aging is the other part of the metaphor. So. The first part can't be childhood or something. I don't know. Well, I guess maybe it's just in general, like being like seven, like that's always going to be constant. Yeah. But you slowly age out of it and you measure that against the museum, which represents these like if it's the same grade goes to this (coughs) museum all the time. There's something about being that age that is constant. But that you slowly lose as right. you change. Right. So you're yeah, your your seventh year is always gonna be the same year, but you see it differently every year that you move from it. It's always the same, but you are different looking back upon it. Or may, it may even it's just like from a a, a further step back of like just the, the cycle of life is the same. Because it's the Museum of Natural History. And so it's it's literally the history of America. It's Columbus and the Indians. It's like this is the the history of an empire that we're all a part of, and that's yeah. the same thing, but w- keep I keep changing. 
like it's the individual versus society constant a little bit. Regardless, it makes him wistful about how much he changes as he goes through this museum. And then while he's thinking about his childhood and this beautiful place, what does he do? He, I took my old hunting hat out of my pocket while I walked and put, put it, it on. Put it on the hunting cap. Ding, ding, ding. There it is. Oh, I'm thinking about in great detail my childhood. Yep. And one of the most comforting places in it that symbolizes the slow change that was had. And maybe that's it, too, was that things were changing back then. That things are always changing. And it, this place makes him realize that. Because yep. right now he feels like, oh, things changed when Allie died. And it's like, no, things change when you see a gasoline rainbow. Change is the only constant. Yeah. Then um, let's see here. I kept walking and walking, and I kept thinking about old Phoebe going to the museum on Saturdays the way I used to. Bingo. I, yeah. I thought how she'd see the same stuff I used to see and how she'd be different every time she saw it. Okay, yeah. So this this helps uh, that the, 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 the museum is childhood you're going through it look i'm look. i'm watching my sister go through what i went through literally yeah. yeah yeah it didn't exactly depress me to think about it but it didn't make me feel gay as hell either <laughs> <laughs> certain things they should stay this the way they are right there is the yeah <laughs> everything he wants you ought to be able to stick them in one of those big glass cases and just leave them alone i know that's impossible but it's too bad anyway Anyway, I keep thinking about all that while I walk. So he uses the metaphor to, like, he's like, I wish one of those glass cases I could put, you know, that stuff there and doesn't change. I wish my life could not change. Yeah. So it's like a foil to his experience is he, a constant change is his, his experience. The experience of the Natural History Museum is zero change. The yeah. glass case. Yeah. He wants to put his sister in a glass case. Yeah. He wants her to stay eight. He wants her to... uh be kind and sweet and forever but she's going to change just like he did uh i passed by this playground and stopped and watched a couple of very tiny kids on the seesaw one of them was sort of fat i put my hand on the skinny kids end to sort of even up the weight but you could tell they didn't want me around so i let them alone so he tries to achieve balance <laughs> and fails yeah right it's like and also he tries to like um help uh, innocent kids and he's not able to he he keeps trying to interrupt people's childhood to like yeah. make it better, and it's like you got to let people do that on their own, man. But also, he it's one more time when he's trying to make a connection and he's failing. He's yeah. like so alone. Then a funny thing happened when I got to the museum. All of a sudden, I wouldn't have gone inside for a million bucks. Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> You mean you walked her through a park and thought about your sister changing <laughs> for <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, I don't want to go to this museum anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the museum that makes you think about childhood yeah. and how we're all going to die someday. <laughs> for no reason. I don't want to be reminded of how much I've changed yeah. <laughs> for for no reason. Just, you know, I, just, I, didn't, I didn't really want to think about it. I just uh, didn't want to go. Yeah. If Phoebe had been there, I probably would have, but she wasn't. So all I did in front of the museum was get a cab and go down to the Biltmore. I didn't feel much like going. I made that damn date with Sally, though. It was so weird. It was like, that's such an interesting last line. Of literally what interrupts his, like, oh, I got so sad about reflection on childhood and life and the change and my sister changing and me changing and, like, how I wish I could preserve these innocent things. He's like, 
Oh, yeah, I made that date because I was horny earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of which, I got to go try to, you know, uh, try to, you know, uh, be a man with this lady. Yeah. Yeah, romance. And so, and, and like, like you said, he does a bunch of things at the same time. In the middle of this reflection on, on time and the things you want to preserve and the futility of trying to hold on to these beautiful things. <laughs> it's also Sounder being like, oh, yeah, but also he's a teenager. And he's like, ah, oh, shoot, I got to go hang out with this hot girl who's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, but damn, is she good looking. Yeah, so, yeah, this is why. I mean, he's, this is hidden. Yeah, he, I'm, no, I'm not a kid anymore. Yeah. Man. It's always the chapters where it's like not that much happens that like we like it's so metaphor dense the whole way through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You don't need to. Yeah, nothing happens. There's, uh, what happened was Holden thought a lot. Yeah. Holden had breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> then he bought a record. Nuns. And then he didn't go to a museum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But right. I mean, it's like yeah, very dense and like uh, and these are the metaphors that uh, are the novels built around. Especially, I mean, like the innocence, the growing up. The I mean like the class the class stuff and religious stuff is just like a bonus. Yeah, uh, but Salinger seems stuff. to like throughout this. He's like, yeah, well, I want to reflect on some of these things. <laughs> yeah, he really was like, I'm gonna paint a full portrait of this man's of this young man's worldview. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. Yeah, every time I read it, I I'm surprised at the density. I mean, so it's so great about novels. It's like yeah, it's like I mean a TV. Yeah, okay, that TV show has a lot of characters and it's like very complex plot. Yeah, sure. Look at this thing. I mean, like, <sighs> come on. You like TV? Have you heard of books? Books. <laughs> uh, books. It's a rich uh, tapestry of uh, personality. Uh, you've heard of the the power of language? Uh, yeah, it's called read a book. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, welcome, welcome back to read a book with Kevin and Terrence. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, like us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page that four people like, and uh, you could be one of them. Yeah, like us there. Yeah. Oops! Into the microphone. <laughs> Kevin will burp on the Facebook page. <laughs> yeah, um, you could find me on Twitter. I'm at yeah, thanks for fi- you find people find find Kevin on Twitter. And it's really yeah, nice. Yeah, a really couple people send me some nice messages about how they enjoyed the program, uh, and they're excited. And it's nice because it makes you feel like you're not playing piano in a goddamn closet. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, we're good, but we know we're good. So. Yeah, we know we're good. I mean, I definitely <laughs> so do it for the attention. I am not. Yeah, <laughs> we're so damn phony. Yeah. So thanks so much, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. Catcher in the Y. Catcher in the Y. See ya. Coming for you.